Hello and welcome to The Week That Really Was with John McGurk and Sarah Ryan for the week ending the 3rd of November 2023. It is the week that's just passed, has brought us into the official beginning of winter and the official, um, well not the beginning end and and all of Halloween really. It was a week when my social media feeds were full of little children going around the country asking for sweets. So naturally being a Grinch, I got out of the country to avoid handing any out. Sarah, how did yours get on? (laughs) Fine, oh, they are so funny. Um, they um, they had a great time. Yeah, it was really nice. The weather the weather forecast was that it was supposed to rain all evening, but it held off. So thank God, because it's pretty grim in, with kids in giant costumes mm-hmm. and it's raining. But we live in an estate, so people get kind of into it and they decorate their houses and it's a bit of fun. So they had a ball. They had an absolute ball. And but, did, uh, how does it work um, without revealing precisely where you live? Because I know I know there are other people around you. So did did one of you stay at home? while the other one went out to the other houses? or did Yeah, you- well, actually, we were lucky this year because my parents were here. Um, so previous years, um, they wouldn't have been because they had a dog and he died this year. Unfortunately, my mum is devastated. So they were able to leave the house um, and my brother is staying with them. So he did the trick-or-treating with his wife at my parents' house. And um, they came here because they would have never left the dog before. So mm. they slept in the house and myself and Keith both went around for a while. But the baby kind of lost interest pretty fast so I came back with her and I hate the cold so I was happy to do that yeah. Um, but yeah it was grand but it, they're on their midterm and as I was saying to you before you know it's tricky like keeping them entertained and I'm a big believer well, the, just like the way that most people who are our age grew up was not very scheduled I can't, well, I'm not going to speak for you but like you know, I think in my memory of growing up, like we had the odd thing that we did kind of, but ultimately you came home from school and you played on the road. You were on your summer holidays and maybe you did the odd thing, but you played on the road and you're on your Easter holidays and your midterm and you played on the road. And I think it's a good way to grow up. And I find that a lot of kids are, and I, I appreciate that this isn't an option for everyone. And when I'm working, the kids do do camps and different things, but I do think it's good for them to have a bit of free play and to be a bit bored um, and so I'm doing that, but that obviously isn't is kind of difficult for me. But it is what it is. So they're kind of off for the week, and I just held off on putting them into anything. Um, and even in classes, like they both do football because they love it, and I insist on them learning how to swim. But apart from that, they I don't put them into things because I just feel like a lot of kids. And again, some of this is necessity. I appreciate that, but a lot of kids are kind of like dancing on a Monday and music on a Tuesday and swimming on a Wednesday mm-hmm. and this on a Thursday and that on a Friday. And I don't know about you, but like, I think kids need to, I certainly like, I'm an adult and I like having, like just in the bank holiday weekend, we were, Keith and I were out on Friday, but we had nothing to do on Saturday and Sunday and we did nothing. We stayed in the house, we did a few jobs, we watched movies with the kids and it was really nice to not have to go anywhere. And so I'm trying to keep the kids kind of entertained in that way, but there's a bag of sweets here from Halloween that I'm hiding that we're in this constant ongoing battle of them trying to find it and gorge themselves and me trying to keep it. <laughs> it's a battle well, of wit for the week. Well, I can only speak to my own childhood, not not having any children of my own, but but like one thing I have loathed from being a child right into adulthood is what I call organized fun. I've mm. never, I've never, I've never liked it. You know, when somebody um I remember, I remember one particular person is sort of in my late teens, 20s, and a group of friends would always try and organize fun. So we'd go away somewhere for a weekend and this person would have the whole list of activities planned out, uh, much like being at a kid's summer camp, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 you know, for some people, that's great. I just, just loathed it. It always felt like you were there and you were under pressure to say, isn't this brilliant? Even if you, yeah. if it involved getting really wet for no good reason. Yeah. Um, and when I was growing up as a kid, I mean, we didn't play on the road because we lived in the countryside and going onto the road meant certain death. Um, so we, but I remember coming home from school and our, our, our childhood was spent, you know, wandering around the farm after school, um, feeding cows and sheep and things like that but like, um, it was great own, but it's yeah. coming up with your own do you know what I mean entertainment like it's mm-hmm. also I just think it's good for you to be a bit bored and to be a bit kind of like like I don't know I mean I have two boys and a girl she's only one and a half so it's the boys and I said to you before like one of my friends who's a, a doctor she said to me one day she's like your boys are just the most boyish boys that ever boyed one of them always has a black eye one of them is missing a tooth and not from natural causes like do you know what I mean they're constantly but it's good for them to just be bored and figure out how to play and if you watch them if you leave them to their own devices 
they do come up with smart games and innovation and, you know, like making a fort and this. So like, that's what it should be. Not, mm-hmm. okay, you have this at three o'clock and that at four o'clock in your move. I, I would just hate that for myself. I, I, I always found that, like, you know, there was there was as much satisfaction, if not more, in kicking a football against a wall yeah. as there was in playing football with a team. Purely because, like, in my case, when I played football with a team, um, any illusions I might have of being the next Eric Cantona very quickly went away. Whereas when I was kicking against the wall, I could imagine, you know, curling it into the top corner. Um, so I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think it's, I think it's, um, I think it's, I think it's the best way to to grow up is to have but, that freedom. But it, 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 it's not without its difficulties. I mean, I sent them both to bed half, at half six yesterday because they were so bold and they got into this argument and then one hit one, the other one hit the other and then they started throwing toys at each other and it ended up in this chaos. So I just was like, I'm going to die if I don't put you both to bed separately. Before they lose any more teeth, Sarah. You know, the social workers out. I brought them down for their dinner because I just have this weird thing where I just can't, you know, the way this old thing of like send to bed but no dinner I couldn't bear it honestly I just I have a real thing about them eating so I brought them down they ate their dinner in silence and then they went back to bed but it was a very peaceful evening for me John yes yeah, yeah absolutely it benefits being a harsh disciplinarian well you have to, I mean like I I, I I try you know every I'm sure every parent understands that like you're like one some days I just have to be mean mom and it's horrible but they turn out to be arseholes if I'm not sometimes mm-hmm. So, well, that's what I tell myself anyway. No, there there has to be a sense of authority. Um, anyway, uh, speaking of that, I've been in Rome all week. When um, in Rome? Yes. How well, is it? Uh, well, it's it's lovely. The food is great. The weather has been divided. I've been, you know, I've been doing that very Irish thing of when you're overseas, um, looking back at the weather at home and grinning smugly. That's what I've been doing because it's about 22, 23 degrees here. In, yeah, it is. Um, we had we had one shower of rain yesterday and all the Roman locals were going running for cover and I was like, rain? Call this rain? I didn't realise it would still be that warm in November in Rome. Is that unusual? Um, well, uh, it's a long time since I've been in Rome and uh, I've never been in Rome before in November, so I don't know is the short answer to your question. But um, the locals don't seem particularly put out by it or, or, or to think it's unusual. Um, no, it's, 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 it's very pleasant. Um, but I've been doing mainly doing sightseeing. I mean, uh, my wife Orla is uh, is into photography. It's her midterm, and if you want to come and photograph buildings, there's no better city in the world to do it because some of the churches are just magnificent. I think um, she's. I think. I think saying she's into photography is kind of an understatement. She's really talented at taking photos. Yes. I'll say. I'll say it so that you don't seem like you're bragging. She yeah, is very, very good. Um, yeah, well, it means I get to sit in lots of churches while she photographs them. And I have to say, if you are if you are in Rome and if you've never been, then I you know don't bother with St Peter's in the Vatican. It's full of full of people. I mean, if you want to go there for religious reasons, fine. But if you're going to see some beautiful churches, um, the the Basilica of San Andrea della Valle uh, is, I think, the most beautiful church I've ever seen. Um, just magnificent. But the other thing I obviously did because I'm a history nut was I wandered around the, the Roman Forum yesterday, and I was there before years ago when I was too young really to appreciate it. But obviously, again, packed with people. You're wandering around, and like you see the the few remaining arches of what was once a massive temple. Now, I recognize, Sarah, that 2,000 years of history have passed, but I just, like, this is going to be a real, you know, there was that TikTok going around a couple of years, weeks ago, about how, you know, men constantly thinking of the Roman Empire. I know. And was it true about you? Because I asked Keith. Was it true about Keith? Because it was, it is true about me, yeah. It is definitely it was true, true about me. every man that I asked. I was stunned. Yeah. Well, for me, it's just like a lot of guys were, were talking about it and saying they, they they think back about what the Romans built and, you know, how magnificent it was and so on and so forth. But for me, wandering around there yesterday, they, I suppose because I'm a pessimist, it was looking at like, this great civilization that once dominated the, what was then the known world. Um, and all that's left now are a few columns and a few ruined buildings and a few statues with no heads on them because they were robbed. And each one of those buildings was covered. You see the stone, but each one of them was covered in gleaming marble. And the marble was all robbed to melt it down into lime by some of the people who, who captured Rome so they could so they could spread it on their fields. Uh, and you just think, like, never take the civilization you're in for granted. It can fall apart. It can collapse. Um, I mean, I'm sure it would have been if you, if you were transported back 2000 years to look at what was there to think, you know, in 2000 years that it would lie in ruins probably wouldn't have crossed anyone's mind. And I, I, I think when you when you look at stuff like that in history, the biggest lesson that we should take is that nothing lasts forever, including probably Western democracy, the country of Ireland, you know, the UK, the European Union, all of it is 
impermanent and could go tomorrow. Um, so on that pessimistic note, that's how I spent my week. Well, that's scary. And yeah. Although, do you want to hear something really sad on that subject? Because I, what well, I said to Keith, I asked Keith about how often he thinks about the Roman Empire and it was the same. And I was absolutely baffled. And then he asked me, what's the female equivalent of the Roman Empire? Mm-hmm. And so I thought about that for a while. And then I canvassed and, and, and Listen, people, women are going to get annoyed at me for this, but I canvassed a few women and I asked and whatever. And this is really sad and it's worthy of a debate of a podcast on and of itself. But the thing that women think about multiple times a day that men don't think about is weight and diet. Isn't that really sad? That's incredibly depressing. I know. But uh, it's, Keith, it's, it, I have like, to say, how it's... often do you think about like I said to Keith, how often do you think about calories and food and how much and like weight and whatever? And he was like, well, like once every few months, I think look at myself in the mirror and I think I should probably lose a bit of weight. And that's about it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to before I reveal my my myself on this, I'm going to go and canvas a few women. And I asked, and every single woman I asked, and it was over ten, said that they think about dieting and calories and their weight at least four or five times a day. And most of them don't need to. No, it's that, not. That, that, that... That, but it's that you, you've been conditioned into this like and I'm, I'm not talking about that they think that they're fat I'm talking about how many times a day they look at something and go oh you know some variation of like size weight food whatever in that in that department they think about multiple times a day and I, it turns out men don't I was like to Keith so you're telling me you never think about like you never walk by a mirror and go oh like and he's like no turns out men don't yeah I I I, I... I, I do sometimes, but not probably more than every couple of months, but I am overweight. Um and so But I don't think that, men but... are but I don't think men are inundated in the same way by, you know, the world about like ideals and no, you know I, I, and I, I, what you should look like and you know, the Kardashians or whatever. I'm just like perfect. You know what I mean? But like I think that there's just a much more like, you know, it's just a completely different focus for women especially women my age if you're 40 like you grew up in a time when you know like you're kind of lucky that kind of Beyonce and Jennifer Lopez and people who were a bit more I say a bit more fuller I mean not twiggy but not exactly you know a big leap but you also were exposed to Kate Moss and all that scene for years and all the clothes and everything was designed for that and like I think that that has a lasting impression on the way you think. And obviously it does because I canvassed around and everyone was like me. I, I was just going to make the point in respect of that, that I have, I, I don't think I have ever met or well, no, not met. I've never known a woman as in like been really close friends with a woman or, or dated a woman who is good at taking compliments about their appearance. Um, in that like almost every and obviously my experience is limited it's a small pool and they're all Irish women so maybe it's an Irish woman thing but my experience has been that if you tell a woman she's looking really well her her immediate reaction will often be oh no I'm not or um, oh, as if you're flattering her with falsehoods I mean and in my experience so many women like you know if you tell them they're thin they'll insist that they're fat um, I don't know what that's about maybe I'm wrong but, but that, that has been my experience uh, not, not universally but it's 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 yeah. there and I think I think there's, there's definitely I don't know whether it's false modesty but based on what you're saying it doesn't sound like it no I think it's I think there's a lot of women who have a ne- like kind of a, a negative relationship with the way they look the size they are or whatever and Obviously, that's, you know, trivial in the world we live in, in some ways, but it's also a real thing for some people. And, you know, like it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit crap to have that kind of thing going on in your mind when you're probably don't need to. And, you know, you're probably fine, but it's real for a lot of people. So Mm. the shame. I don't know what the answer is. I think that when I think that people, you know, and, and I've had, you know, definitely, like, it's like we talked about when we, ter- like, turning 40. When I turned 40, I know you haven't turned 40 yet. Um, but, um, you know, I've had a couple of, of friends and people that I've known in the last few years who've died in their, before they hit 40, of different illnesses. And it really puts into perspective that when you turn 40, you think, people are like, oh, you sad to turn 40. I couldn't care less. Like, we joke about it, but, like, I couldn't care less. I feel privileged to get here and mm-hmm. alive and with three children and I'm entirely lucky and so I think that when people get ill or things happen to them they realise that caring about what how big your arse looks in those jeans is stupid and silly but it's still you know what I mean it's still real in the to- in the moment so anyway yeah 40s that age I mean I, 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 I am I'm, I'm in my last few months before I reach it but 40s that age where you, you go past where it's no longer shocking if you die suddenly I mean it, shock, maybe shocking is the wrong word but I mean 
you know, people write it off as, oh, sure, if it was in my case, I'm sure he was always a bit overweight, you know, the heart was always going to give out with him. You know, like it's it, it, it's it's no longer it's no longer catastrophically amazing that you died once you go over that age, which is and, and which is I'm always a little bit wary of it to be honest with you. Anytime from forty on, really, I think. What's the uh, you know the the uh, sniper's alley for men? What is it? 50, 45 to sixty or something? Yeah. There's some period of time where if you get past it, your your chances of living longer kind of quadruple or something. I can't remember what the, what yeah, it is. I, I think I think it is if you hit if you hit if you hit sixty two or three basically you're, you're you're probably expect another 20 years um but a lot of us don't make it that far <laughs> john you're still alive <laughs> <laughs> unlike 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 you're fully not planning to get you're like a lot of us you're us what are you talking about you're yeah. not even 40 anyway uh, on that morbid note we, we, we move on to some of the news stories of the week after that long and i have to say an enjoyable introduction um and speaking of men dying young girl matthew perry um met an early grade um, I'd say it did affect me a little bit because um, he's not that much older than me. I think that's the reason why it affected me that much. What, what was he? Was he in his? Was he fifty something? Something like that. Fifty-four, I think. A young man. Mm. Um, um, and again, the some that affect you, like Heath Ledger, uh, for me, Robin Williams, and um, 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 what was his name? Um, he was in that. Oh God, um, chubby blonde. He was in. Loads of movies. It'll come back to me in a minute. Um, but some affect you more than others, and this is a particularly sad one because he struggled. You know what I mean? And he, um, he obviously struggled with alcoholism. He was very open about it. And I've seen, I have to say, it wouldn't have been a book that I would have gravitated towards. But I've seen some excerpts from his book, um, on different social medias the last week, and it seems quite a profound book. I might mm-hmm. read it. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, he brought a lot of laughter. He was a huge part of a lot of people's life, you know, growing up and watching Friends and stuff like that. And and it's really obvious from the um from the, you know, the comments that celebrities who work with him have made that he seemed like he really was a genuinely nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just sad all around, isn't it? It is. It is for me. I have to say, the one that really affected me was Shane Warne. He made listeners won't know who that is, but he was he was a great Australian leg spin bowler in the game of cricket. Blonde beach boy, um, very successful. And he just ended his career and then um, moved into commentary. And was only four or five years at it, and then just keeled over of a heart attack in Thailand last year. Um, and had something in common with Matthew Perry because after his death, just like after Matthew Perry's death, um, there were hundreds. Or there was one Twitter account with 500,000 followers that I just was appalled by this week, which immediately on hearing the news that Matthew Perry had died, basically said, oh, he was vaccinated. Um, as if to say, um, was it the vaccine what killed him? Um, and, so and most this, people are vaccinated. So everyone who dies, do you know what I mean? Like most people are vaccinated. Now. Yeah, I, 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 I reacted a little bit. Uh, I probably shouldn't have said anything. I reacted a little bit angry to it on, on social media, and I said that God forbid if I do die tomorrow, one of the one of the one of the bad things about that, by no means the only bad thing, but dying tomorrow would be uh, these ghouls was the word I used. Uh, speculating that the vaccine might have killed you because I said I was vaccinated. Um, and I got the usual reaction uh, from from some people, which was, you know, but how do you know it wasn't the vaccine? I mean, and I'm just concerned, and we move on to talking about the COVID inquiry in a little while, that some people have just allowed their minds to get warped. By Philip Seymour Hoffman, sorry. Philip Seymour Hoffman. That oh, was yes. Here. He was very good. He was very good. Um, um, but, but, like... I just want to say to those, because I know there's some people who listen and who are very concerned about the impact of COVID vaccines and that they were mandated and that there may be safety issues and, and all of the rest of it. I'm Which, not by the way, a lot of it is a, a lot of that is legitimate. Like, I think that they're fair enough to be concerned. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I want to say that to those people who are if, you're, if the if the if the water level is reaching your ears and you're about to boil over. I'm not saying all of your concerns are illegitimate by any means, manner or or anything like that. What I am yeah. saying, though, is. That if your first reaction to a celebrity dying or anybody dying is to post on the internet that they were vaccinated and speculate without any evidence whatsoever that the vaccine might have killed them, number one, chances are you're going to be wrong. Um, number two, um, you're going to then say, oh, well, I was only just asking questions. Am I not allowed to ask those questions? But not every single time. And if your first reaction to somebody dying isn't that's terrible and isn't said, oh, maybe this confirms my priors about the vaccines. You don't come across as a nice person, number one. 
Chances are you're wrong, so you'll come across as a bit of a lunatic. And number three, um, even if the answer is, no, it wasn't the vaccine, it's not going to change your mind anyway, because you're posting that stuff. You're just going to believe that this was the one guy who didn't die of the vaccine. And I just think that there's um, there's a real sort of, I, I'm trying to find the right word, but there's a kind of mania that's taken hold amongst some people after COVID. You know, mm. with, with it, with it, and, and, you know, COVID, COVID unleashed a lot of manias, including in our ruling classes, which we'll come to in a second about the UK COVID inquiry. But amongst some people um, on our own side of the fence, like you're not doing your cause any good and you're not doing your, repu- your 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 mental health any good by seeing phantom people dropping dead of vaccines everywhere. And I just thought it was so unhealthy. The same thing happened with Shane Warren, which is what brought it to mind. And it's happened with a couple of people recently. And it happened in the cases of at least two entirely not famous people who I personally know of who died quite young. Um, and there were people on the internet in their local areas saying, oh, was it the vaccine? Was he or she vaccinated? No, it was suicide in those two cases. So like, and it's really hurtful and upsetting to families. And um, I just, if there was one thing I could stamp out, it would be that kind of sort of, sort of obsessive behavior um, that you see too much of these days. And not only, not only on that topic, but on a whole range of topics. Yeah. I mean, I think COVID is like, will be studied in the future by kind of sociologists or whatever about like the, you know, the kind of the long-term effects and you know people who are like there are still people who are dealing really like badly with the after effects of the anxiety of you know this massive event probably you know definitely will be one of the most massive events that happened in our lives in our lifetime Mm -hmm. um you know we were all locked in our houses for like when you think about it like you know and you know people live a lot of people live with low levels of anxiety all the time about things you know that things might happen and then then it did happen and they were locked in their houses and you know there's a knock-on effect of that and you know the vaccine is one area and i know people who had you know bad effects from the vaccine one in particular uh, the you know the heart um myocarditis yes uh one person i know close to me got myocarditis and you know couldn't get any subsequent vaccines so you know and like you know i'm not i definitely will i i don't plan on ever getting the covid vaccine again i don't um i don't get the flu vaccine either can, can i ask you well, i wrote a piece of it this last week i'm, I'm intrigued because because loads of people now say that about the covid vaccines i'm not going to get them again i'm in that boat too i'll tell you my reason in, in a minute but what's yours as a matter of interest well i mean keith is a dentist so he gets the flu vaccine every year because he says that, you know, like he he um, stands very near to people's open mouths. He mouth, stands very near it. to yeah. people's mouths, exactly, exactly. And he's had a very bad dose of the, the flu in his lifetime and, you know, blah, 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 blah. I don't get the flu vaccine, John, purely because I've never had the flu. And just to be clear, I've had colds and stuff like that. I've had things that people call the flu, but proper flu in the bed when you were actually really, really, really ill. I've never had it. So, like, I, 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 I don't know. I'll take my chances. With the kids, I have to say that um, a, a few years ago, it was January 2020 because it was about two months before COVID kicked off. Our older son, um, who was, he would have been 2020, he would have been four at the time. He got proper flu and he was unbelievably ill and it scared the life out of me. And only because my sister is a paediatrician who I would ring her and keep her up to, up to date on his fluids and she was kind of helping, he would have gone to hospital. Now, he was very, very ill and it scared me. And so I kind of I kind of consider about the kids flu vaccine because of that. And then that's not an injection. It's a spray up the nose. I haven't actually done it, but I, I kind of consider it. But I don't get the flu vaccine. So why would I get a COVID vaccine? I've had the I've had COVID. I've I've been vaccinated the standard the initial covid vaccines i got them then i was um pregnant um i got a booster i got covid while i was pregnant as well that virus has been in and out of my body like so why would i get vaccinated again that's my thinking and also by the way whatever my personal reaction was the times that i did get the covid vaccine initially i was sick as a dog from it like mm-hmm. i woke up both times at three o'clock in the morning that's a, t- a, t- a taste of what the flu is like i i like my arms and legs i couldn't move them i was in bits i had a roaring temperature so why would i put myself through that i'd rather take my chances with my own immune system and i do think by the way that you know and i'm not into kind of you know aromatherapy or whatever that any of that kind of stuff keith laughs about but um 
homeopathy but uh, I do think that it's good for your immune system to work for itself it's designed that way hence why I don't over sterilize anything to do with the kids I give them nuts and stuff from very early age I think that there's really really interesting emerging evidence and there's a study which I won't remember now but it was done on um Jewish children who left Israel and went by a move to the UK versus children who stayed in Israel um, and were given very common there is to give them a kind of a nut derivative from uh, as some of their first food but that's the opposite of what's recommended in 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 uh, by the NHS for new babies and basically the instances of nut allergies in the ones that moved to the UK versus the ones that stayed was stark um, mm-hmm. obviously much much higher because their immune system wasn't being exposed to anything like that so I I think that your immune system is an amazing, amazing system that will do its best for you. And I think vaccination's fine to a point, but um, I'd rather take my chances. This will be played on a loop if I die from the flu in a month. It will. Oh, it will, yeah. It will. It will. I, in fact, I, you know, when, when we find a replacement for you, I'll, I'll play it like, you know, as a, like as a farewell to Sarah. In memoriam. She wouldn't get the flu vaccine. Um, no, and also, by the way, I would encourage people I love who are older to get the flu vaccine. Uh, but um, bum tush, including Keith. Haha, I love that. If he listens to this because he's so much older than me. But um, no, I think if you're older, you had certain you have certain conditions, fine. But I don't. I'm 40. So that's why I'm not getting any. And also, by the way, I'm allowed into restaurants without getting the COVID vaccine now, so that also plays part. It does, it does. Um, although you get re- you get in an awful lot of trouble if you say you want to have the COVID vaccine because you get into restaurants. That makes you. Uh, you know, I, I I I remember I remember once during the pandemic. Um, after I'd been vaccinated, I remember posting that I had stopped somewhere for a sandwich. And I wasn't thinking of the vaccine at all. But I, I remember like posting a tweet on my timeline that I was eating a very nice sandwich in a particular... And I swear to God, for about three months after it, I was getting accused of all sorts of ideological betrayals because I'd stopped somewhere to eat a sandwich because I was allowed in. It really made people angry. And I actually understand why it made people angry. Not not my tweet. I think my tweet, that was an overreaction. But I understand why the uh, why people were, were so angry about that. Um, no, and I, and 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 I think that I think, and there's some a couple of people quite close to me who didn't get vaccinated and uh, and never got vaccinated, and who would you know felt like they were treated badly, and they were, and they were right, and to a certain point, they to a certain extent, they are they are vindicated. Yeah, well. I've said I'd, I'd explain why I wouldn't get uh, another COVID vaccine, so I will. But I, I just find the sentiment is so common now amongst people who were vaccinated that they're not getting another one. I find it really interesting because for me, and I've, I've said this to my doctor and I've said it in public, but I'll, I'll put it on the record here again. I got vaccinated the first time um, purely because um, I have, have a medical condition which put me in the, in inverted commas, vulnerable cat. Do you remember the vulnerable categories? I ticked like, I ticked like two out of three of them. The only one I didn't tick was age. I was, I was overweight. I had a particular medical condition that made me vulnerable and so on. And um, basically not getting the vaccine, you know, I would have been divorced because um, my, my wife said, no, you're, you're, you're getting it. And yeah. And, and plus I thought it was a sensible thing to do because I don't particularly want to die young. Um, so I took it, and time, I took at I took, the time, yeah, at, at, at the time, and I took I took the first booster when it was offered, and uh, I think I took the second booster. Though I can't remember. I'm sure I, I I think I think I took two boosters in total. I think um, I took one, and then I think can't I can never remember the exact. If I sat down with the dates, I could, but I took a booster. I think I think I took the first dose, and then I think I was pregnant by the second dose, and I was really scared about getting it, because mm-hmm. um, I was like, oh god, like. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And then I took advice from multiple people and I think I got the second one whilst pregnant and then I got COVID about Mm -hmm. a month later. And I was actually, in fairness, I mean, I don't know anymore, but I was quite ill with COVID when I was pregnant. So I don't know if it would have been worse if I hadn't. Who knows? So I I, I took my three um, and... I can't remember when I got COVID for the first time, but I've definitely been vaccinated at least. I, I'd say I, got, I don't think I took a, another vaccination after I got COVID because that was kind of what what, what did it for me. Because I got COVID here. and it was awful. It was awful. I, I, like I, I've been vaccinated at least twice, maybe three times, and I got I got COVID for the first time. And I it's not that I nearly died or anything, but it was the most unpleasant dose I've had in my life. And I said, if this is what it's like after the vaccine. I mean, it, it couldn't have been that much worse. Um, that, you know, without one. That was that was what I thought. And the other thing is, I looked around and I saw the the number of people getting myocarditis. Um, you might say it's not it's 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 only a few and all the rest of it. But the, but the risk reward changed for me because I'd had COVID 
So my body had some immunity to it from having it. The vaccine hadn't prevented it being particularly bad. And then on top of that, there was the added risk of myocarditis. And now I just don't feel like the risk reward adds up anymore. And I understand why people feel like that. And I also think, by the way, they were entirely missold. All the things we were told at the beginning from the manufacturers of the vaccines, every public health expert in the West was this stops transmission. That was the reason why uh, that was the reason why you couldn't go to a pub if you weren't vaccinated because you might spread it to other people and the vaccine would stop you spreading from others so you were to others so you were safe to go and congregate. And that it needs to be put on the record. That was bullshit of the of the highest order. It was bullshit of the highest order. It it it, it did not stop the vaccine we now know did not stop transmission. It did not stop you getting it. The most that can be said about the vaccines um, is that they may have made the illness milder in some people. That's the best you can say. And for all of this, we spent a, an unprecedented amount of money and treasure on these things. For uh, you know, we, there's, a, there's a defined cost, but an entirely undefined benefit. Um, so I, I completely understand the people who are raging about the vaccines. I, I, but I, I do say... I. I I do not see any evidence for what the most extreme people on that fringe say, which is that they're killing loads of people. There is no evidence of that. Um, and I think it's irresponsible to make that claim. Yeah, evidence. and the, the, the narrative was that you like kind of didn't care about your granny and you wanted to kill her if you didn't get vaccinated, which was a bit over the top. But you know what another emerging kind of fascinating thing about this is? Now, okay, a lot of people, and you're saying, like, I'm surrounded by people who are like, I'm not getting vaccinated again. But also, did you notice that people have stopped testing if they're sick? Mm. Like, like, obviously, so Keith's mother has dementia. She's in a home, right? So I wouldn't dream of going into that home if I had even a cold. Like, I wouldn't go near it because there's so many elderly people in there. But if I felt a bit fluey, like tomorrow, and had a kind of a cough or whatever, I wouldn't test. I don't have any tests in the house. I, I just would kind of, like, I wouldn't go out and start coughing on other people. Obviously, I wouldn't go into places where, you know, like, I'm not working in an office or anything like that, so I wouldn't go into an office anyway. But, like, I'm kind of almost, like, the amount of people, I'm sure, who have COVID these days who don't even realise it because they're not testing is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I I, I, I got COVID. My, my, my uncle died in August, as I mentioned on this show before, and I was at his funeral, and I... um came home I was very sick um, and I, I did test and it was COVID but I tested only for the reason that um, I wouldn't want to spread it mm. um, to anyone that's the that's the only reason and then you might say well John if it wasn't COVID would you be happy to spread like a common cold and obviously no I wouldn't so I don't really know why I tested I think because the tests were there and because when you're feeling sick um, and you're like you want to feel like you're doing something to understand what's wrong with you so I tested and I had COVID in August, um, but but it was kind of it was just like a, it wasn't much more the second time I got it than a bad a bad cold really is what it was mm-hmm. like. Um, so I, I don't know if I'll be testing if I'm if I'm sick like that again. I don't know if I'll be testing moving forward. Certainly, we'll be going to shops to buy buy tests. But that yeah, go to the shops to buy the test and give COVID to three people on your way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I probably won't be doing that. But yeah, I think I mean I I don't think I think there are a lot of people. What I was saying about Matthew Perry and the reaction to his death, there are a lot of people out there who have yet to come to terms with what happened. But there's a also I think a ruling class that has yet to come to terms in any way, shape, or form with what it did to people. Because you're talking about stuff that, that happened. I mean, I, I, I've mentioned on, on this show before the, the fact that, you know, in, in, in some shops in rural Ireland, that thing that they started where uh, old people could only do their shopping at a particular time. There are a lot of old people still only going to do their shopping at that time. I, yeah. I know a couple of people who run who run bingo events who have had to have their events and whose income has been had because people just never came back. If you talk to any Irish rural Catholic parish priest, they will tell you that mass attendances have never recovered. Now, obviously, some people be delighted about that, but it's not because of a lack of religious faith amongst that generation. It's because they got used to watching mass on television, um, or not on television, on their, on their computers or their iPads or whatever, and they didn't feel safe going, and then they just never got back into the habit. And therefore, you've got people who, for whom that was a social outlet who just never got into the habit of going back. Like the, the yeah. lasting societal effects, and those are just a couple, um, are are really dramatic. Yeah. And, and I was, yeah, sneer, sneer all you like about, oh, yeah, mass numbers and people do in Ireland. But as you say, like for a lot of people, that's their witnesses in the world. You know, that's their that's their social outlet. And loneliness is an absolutely like huge killer of people. I mean, it, it's you know it it isolates people and it's 
it's awful. It's just the worst. I mean, I think any human being thinks that can't imagine much worse than being old and alone and nobody knowing or noticing whether you're there or not kind of vibe. Um, I, I, the other thing is the economic effects are still going on. I had dinner here in Rome last Sunday night. Now, I, I, I obviously can't say much more than I had dinner with somebody who works for a company and the person is, is, is going to lose their job at the beginning of next year purely because sales at their company collapsed during COVID because of the particular circumstances uh, have never recovered. Um, mm. So the economic impacts are still ongoing. And we um, have we had that, um, you know, tax warehousing thing for restaurants and stuff. And that's all kind of not about to kind of come into come to fruition, really, because a lot of restaurants like had a diabolical summer because between weather and, you know, footfall and everything else, cost of living, cost of running a business, a lot of restaurants are going to go to the wall in the next few months, probably in and around January. And that has huge consequences as well. And that the root of that goes back to lockdowns. So, I mean, you know, um, it's as good a time as ever to move on to the to the COVID inquiry in the UK, because because it really does show, first of all, I mean, whatever you think about what they're saying in the UK, I mean, where is the Irish COVID inquiry? Why hasn't there been one? And I, I think the the answer is that it the, was it was a book. It was a book written by um, <laughs> Tony Olin. Tony Olin's book. That's the inquiry. Go and get it. I mean, I think the evidence is over. The evidence is overwhelmingly over. It is overwhelmingly the case that whatever about, I think you can give politicians the world over. And I've said this before, and I'll stick by this. Although Laura Perrins, who was on last week, uh, mentioned that she and I had a row about this, uh, and she disagrees. So I'll say that. But I think you can give politicians a break for the first month to six weeks of COVID. Absolutely. Yeah. I think more, John. In fairness, because at the end of the day. And I will say this, if you're you're the same and I was the same, politicians were sitting at home watching videos of Italian t- tanks got gathering bodies and mass graves being dug off the co- coast of New York or whatever those videos were, just the same as we were. And I'd, I'd, you know, everyone else goes, oh, Sweden, Sweden. OK, fine. But it takes a special kind of person to have the balls to 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 roll the dice and gamble with the lives of the people mm-hmm. that you're you're leading. Yeah, like, that's it. Like that you, what you're asking a politician to do was go. Nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna take the risk and I'm gonna roll the dice with these people. And if loads and loads and loads of people have died, that person would have been blamed. That's yeah. that's too much to ask. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, the other thing is important here to say is that there's a difference between saying a decision was the correct decision and saying a decision was an understandable decision for which people yes. were given a break. Yes. So I, I don't think, in retrospect, lockdown was the right decision at all. But I do think I wouldn't hold I wouldn't hold that first okay, let's call it two months. I wouldn't hold that first two months against anybody. No. Uh, I understand why they did what they did. Um I remember I remember I actually remember the atmosphere at the time as well, because I remember Leo Varagra closed schools from New York. Do you remember that? No, uh, from, 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 from Washington. Washington. I was Washington. there. I was in I was in Washington when that happened. I was on his flight over. Oh. And myself and Keith, and it was I. I said to somebody recently, I still kind of have a touch of PTSD because I was going over for a work thing. Keith decided to tag along, and then all of a sudden, it started to feel like maybe we weren't going to get home. And I was furious with him for coming because I was like, if it was just me here, it'd be one thing, but our two kids are at home, and we're about stuck here. And there was somebody with us who decided to stay for a funeral because we had a flight booked home and we made that flight and I'm telling you when we were leaving Washington it was like it was like the last thing out of Saigon or something mm-hmm. people were just trying to leave and the person that we were with who stayed behind to go to a funeral on I don't think it was related to COVID his friend's dad he ended up being stuck in the States for a number of weeks after that so yeah when Leo closed the skills he closed he closed them from Washington DC but he flew home the next day or something mm-hmm. um but I, I remember that, and I remember, I remember there was kind of in the days leading up to that, there was almost hysteria on Irish television and radio. Where why are the schools still open? Why haven't they been closed? They were under huge pressure to do that. Yeah. Um. So, so I that that first, you know, call it six, call it eight weeks, whatever it was. I understand that, and I think politicians should get a pass for it. But, but then, I mean, dragging on through the summer, this business of a meaningful Christmas, it, it was just, it was insanity. And I mean, I, I forgot about a meaningful you Christmas. You forgot about a meaningful Christmas? And then, do you remember, we had a meaningful Christmas and cases spiked, and then and then there was a second round of insanity, um, where, you know, it was, the politicians had killed a thousand people. Tony Holden actually says this in his book, he still sticks to this line. 
that the meaningful Christmas was a disaster um, and so on and so forth. What, that they should have not reopened anything? There should have been no meaningful Christmas. Uh, we should have we should have embraced uh, Tony's Grinch, Grinch-like instincts uh, is what I think he argues in his... I haven't read his book, but, so if I'm wrong, forgive me. Wasn't there some scenes at the time of like people around... What's Is it Pygmalion? What's the name of that street? Um, wasn't there some... I vaguely remember videos of people going absolutely mental in the streets. Remember? Yes, like partying uh, and having a great time and him being... And it was like, oh, we're all going to be in big trouble when, when, when Tony gets back. Well, there, there was later on after that um, uh, similar scenes around the same area of Dublin where Tony famously drove down in his car and then issued orders to the Gardaí via tweet to ensure that this kind of thing was entirely unacceptable. And then uh, in due course, the next night, the Gardaí, having received their uh, their orders from Imperator Holohan, um, started arresting people and whatever. It was insanity. But, but there my- were subcultures of people who were kind of subsects of people who were doing, like, I mean, we, Keith and I, like, we relatively, you know, kept to, we didn't do anything particularly mental. But um, I remember, I think I said this on the podcast before one day, one of our kids uh, sprayed the other one in the eyes with uh, flash, um, whatever. Um, and I had to bring him into hospital to Temple Street to get his eyes rinsed, waterboarded, basically his eyes rinsed out or whatever. And I was driving um, across like Mount Joy Square and there's a block of flats just like off one of the side streets there. And they, I drove down the Malloy Road. It was empty. It was like something from a movie. There was nobody, nothing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I wonder if I'll be stopped by the police. And like, obviously, I have a legitimate reason. His eyeball is, has an abrasion on it. Um, but um, there was a party going on in those flats. They were outside in the front. They were there was a there was music. There was a whole thing. And I was like, all right, okay, like fair enough. Well, that's the other thing that people. Uh, there's a serious point to be made here, um, which is that. That is the other thing, which which the mania that took over really was, it was so classist in that we are obviously governed by a class of people like you and I. You and I both comfortably fit into the Irish ruling class, right? We both own our own houses. They're, they're decent sized houses. They're nice areas. You know, if you want to go outside and go for your two kilometre walk, you can go for your two kilometre walk in a nice area. Yeah. Uh, and there was no sympathy at all for people who are living in the flats or in a cramped housing estate. Or somewhere where, like, the only place for the kids to play is a common play area outside, which you know one might Not legitimately, to do. Yeah. yeah, one might legitimately have feared would turn into a vector of a viral plague. Um, yeah. Like the the classism of it was unbelievable, um, and it was it was so telling to me that the 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 people who were making the decisions, very few of them came from that class, and the people who were on the radio talking about the need for a lockdown and and being cautious, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, very few of them came from that class. And the independent also, experts, what do you call Remember the independent expert group? I can't can't remember what they were called, thank God. But you know the one I'm talking about um, that was constantly on the radio. Um, they, they all came from that class as well. And so this... this is, no, not Neffet. The other one, the, um, the, 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 the one that had the Trinity professors oh, in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the one? Um, I've, I, this is so weird. Like, I've forgotten about so much of this. Yeah, but it was quite traumatizing. I think for, but, for uh, another thing, John, that like, which is independent, which is not connected to kind of so- ruling class or social class or whatever, is the amount of people who live, even if they do live in big houses or whatever, who live in domestic violence situations and really, really tough. You know, like not everything is as it seems. And I know a couple of people who got divorced after COVID, and their life stuck with a spouse who was not necessarily abusive physically or whatever, but like their life in those situations was hell. I think it made, it made or broke a lot of marriages. Definitely. I, mean, I, I, I know I, a couple of marriages where they were, you know, those kind of couple in particular where they probably had six or seven more years in them, but that six or seven years was condensed into a year and a half of lockdown and just ran its course that way. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think, I think uh, as in both our cases, if your marriage survived it and, and indeed, I think, I think both our marriages came out of it, like probably improved, which is a good sign. Uh, you, you're probably, you're probably on sound footing, but a lot of people, a lot of, because it's, you know, it's not usual, it's not common to be at home. My, my, my I work at home all the time, but my wife is usually away, uh, but she was at home for the guts of a year and a half um, trying to teach people from her office um, while getting lambasted on the radio the teachers are doing nothing which I know really upset her and upset me too because I could see that she was working but it, it was just an unusual situation so so it, it did place people in, in difficult situations although I'll never forget coming back to the class thing reading an article I, I'm not going to say which newspaper it was in it might have been a British newspaper or it might have been the Irish Times but it was it was somewhere 
but an article which was written entirely without any tongues and cheeks, complaining about how difficult COVID was for people who were conducting extramarital affairs. Um, <laughs> well, I know somebody who worked in contact tracing and they have some fascinating stories, mate. <laughs> Uh, you know, like in the beginning where they'd ring up somebody and then the the, the man in this case would be kind of like, they'd be like, okay, so his wife is obviously in the room and they'd be going through all his contacts for the last couple of days. And then he'd be kind of like, can you ring, can you ring, can you ring back later? And basically there was this whole other scene that had to be chased down from yes. another woman and whatever. So, well, yeah. these people have very exciting lives, don't they? They do. They do. Um, but anyway, the, the, along with getting to the point of which I'm going to make, it is, it is now, I think, abundantly clear to anybody who isn't a blithering idiot that COVID policy in the broad West, in Ireland, in the UK, in a lot of the continent, definitely in the US, by the way, for which, for some reason, Donald Trump gets no blame even though he deserves all of the blame, um, was insane. was an act of insanity perpetrated on the people by the ruling classes. Not those first two months, but everything after that. I mean, in the US, they they still had schools. Schools were basically shut for two full calendar years. And in some places, they had a hell of a time getting them reopened um, because the whole thing became so, so insanely tribal as well. In that but some it, of the stuff as well, do you remember like the little stupid stuff, like you had to spend nine euro or something on a meal? Eight euro. Eight euro, I think it was. Or I don't know somebody's going to. I don't know. You had to. You couldn't have a pint unless you also had a, a ham sandwich. Basically, what? If, if you had one ham sandwich, you then could have as many pints as you wanted. That was the thing. Um, it was bananas. It was bananas. And I remember. Do you remember in the summer when things reopened? And maybe it was when you had to have a COVID vaccine or something. Maybe I can't remember. But Keith and I went. We got a bait. We've been in the house obviously for forever, and we got a babysitter. And we went to. Um, Seabank restaurant in Malahide and um, it was sunny and we sat outside because I think you had to sit outside actually and um, we had fish and we had like a bottle of wine and it was like it's just one of those meals I'll remember forever because it was so long since we'd done anything like that or been anywhere and everybody was out and the sun was shining and it was like I don't know it was just like one of those things you'll remember and when you think about it absurd that the fact that we had a piece of paper and we're eating not drinking only was the thing that was going to stop COVID from infecting us is just comical now in hindsight. Well, the other, th- the other thing is, and coming back to the plight of our poor unvaccinated friends, um, I'll never forget um, Ryan Tuberty telling people basically to shun the unvaccinated. <laughs> he did this whole speech, like basically, don't invite them to to weddings, don't invite them to baptisms. You know, don't you know, send a message to them that their conduct is selfish and unacceptable. That's not a direct quote, but that was the tone of what he was saying. And I mean, I was just trying to think, if you said that about any other group of people in society, um, but it was widely, this is the other thing, uh, and I think there's one of the reasons we're not having a COVID inquiry, and one of the reasons they're not they're keen on not having a, a big COVID inquiry, is how embarrassing it will be for a lot of people. And I, when I say that, I don't mean the ruling classes. I mean regular folks, regular, ordinary, middle-class people who got swept away in it all, and now in their heart of hearts, know full well that they got swept away in it all. And it's a little bit like, you know, I won't make the comparison I was going to make, that would be entirely inappropriate, but it is a little bit like, you know, after a a war or something, um, when you suddenly realise your government has been on the wrong side, you've been supporting something terribly evil, um, and then then you're not to blame. But actually, you are to blame. There are many people in this country who got caught up in absolutely insane attitudes around COVID that I think quietly to themselves now recognise we're insane attitudes around COVID but can never bring themselves to admit it. So um, they just want to move on real fast. And they want happens. to move on real fast. Yeah, it never happened. And it's like the whole thing. I mean, and the proof of that for me is the way COVID just disappeared as an issue almost overnight. It was like when we, we opened up for the last time, that was it. All of a sudden, no one cared about the numbers anymore. Um, spikes going up in hospitals. I mean, there, there there are a few diehards left out there. There are a few sad cases, like the Japanese lads on the islands in the 1960s who thought the World War II was still going on. There are, there are maybe 50 or 60 people. You see them about the place still wearing face masks or whatever. But the vast majority of people just sort of like, okay, that's over. It never happened. Forget about it. Move on. Memory hold. Didn't happen. Um, and the government have been the exact same. And I think the, the UK COVID inquiry this week, which I haven't even talked about what I wanted to talk about, which is how it exposes the incompetence of the civil service. But a, a big part of the, a big part of what's happening there is is the ruling class getting a little bit embarrassed and people people trying to justify their behaviour at the time, which they inherently know in the cold light of day to have been deeply unreasonable. Yeah. 
but we're not having an inquiry because we don't like to remember things like that. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Um, and also, there's no push for an inquiry. There's no push for an inquiry because the opposition, as ever in this country, were as bad as the government, if not worse. I yeah, mean, there was very little opposition to anything, really, wasn't there? Well, well, well there was. There was opposition to opening up. There was opposition. There was opposition to dropping it. I mean, you had the 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 Social Democrats and the Labour Party, for example, basically lining up against any move to lighten lighten the restrictions in any way, shape, or form. So, so, so the opposition doesn't want a COVID inquiry because the COVID inquiry happens to find that lockdown was a mistake, uh, or at least most of lockdown was a mistake. Then they were more guilty than the government. So we, we can't have accountability. Um, and as for the as for the the civil service, they don't want an inquiry because they were basically. This is the other thing. I mean, in Ireland at the very start of COVID, we basically didn't have a government. People have forgotten that um, because we had the election. Then COVID hit, and Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael were still dancing around each other trying to figure out a reason to get into bed. Um, <laughs> so Tony Holohan was running the country by himself for the first while. So the civil service don't want an inquiry because basically they are the ones who set the policy and uh, it wasn't really the politicians at all. So yeah, it's um, so, so what has Michal Martin said we'll have? He said, he said we'll have some kind, at some point in time in the undefined future, we'll have a review, but no blame will be attached to any person. Yeah, it will be conducted on the metro. <laughs> That's it, yeah. <laughs> they'll have a they'll have sittings on the first ride for on from on Metro North. Yeah, uh, yeah. the first car- carriage will be devoted yeah. to the uh, to the COVID inquiry. Can't wait. All right. Well, I think we probably leave it there for this week. Um, a, oh, that you... was a trip down memory lane. I literally forgot about COVID. Well, not forgot about. You know what I mean? Like you forget all the different bits of it. Like it was. But before before we go, actually, I want to hear. You told me before we started that you there was some story about some woman in Australia who'd gone mad and started poisoning all her relatives. Oh yeah, no, the dinner party. She, so the yeah. so there is. She's been arrested and charged. Um, over a mushroom meal that left three people dead and a local preacher fighting for his life. Which initially, when I read it, the reason why why I was telling you about it is because you've been at dinner parties in my house, mm. and you know I cook food, and like initially I thought it was just a, like a terrible accident, and like you know how embarrassing. But it turns out I think that she's put some mushrooms in, and it was her in laws, and she seems to um, she seems to be in a bit of trouble. Um, her people aren't believing her in law. People aren't believing her um, at a local Baptist pastor. So. Um, yeah, oh, uh, she might be in a spot of bother. Um, but um, yeah, she um, they yeah, highly toxic death cap mushrooms. Um, so that'll be an interesting trial to watch. That's what I'm watching. Watch that one. Great interest. Reminds me, I'm in Rome, which reminds me of the story of the uh, death of the Emperor Augustus, who was said to have died having eaten poisoned figs. And of course, in mm-hmm. I Claudius, the famous dramatization of uh, the life of his grandson Claudius. Uh, it is said that uh, that that the figs were actually picked from his own tree, and because he was picking them from his own tree, his poor beloved wife Livia had to go out and paint the poison on the figs on the tree to finish them off. Because he would only eat them, he didn't trust her. You see, he thought they were going to be poisoned, so he would only eat ones he picked himself. So she spent all night, apparently according to legend, painting poison onto the figs on the tree. Gotta that's give her. You gotta give her. You gotta give it to her though. She's pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty yeah. smart. That that is commitment. All right, we will leave it there. Um, thanks everybody for listening as ever. We'll be back next week for another edition of the week that really was.